0: You might like to uh, keep your Bibles open at that uh, page 1078, then let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would help us tonight to sit at the feet of Jesus, help us to respond to Jesus, take these words and the words of John's Gospel and meet with us, we pray tonight. Amen. Amen. Well, we're in uh, John's Gospel. Um, If you go to chapter 20, uh, verse 31, you'll see that uh, John writes that he writes this account of Jesus' life to help us to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's the purpose of why these passages have been written. And we're in a series of sermons in the evening service where we're looking at people who meet Jesus. I wondered if you've ever thought about this scenario. Some of you might have been a part of it. Some of you might have experienced it within a church fellowship. Have you wondered, how is it, that children who are brought up by two loving parents who follow Jesus, how those children respond to Jesus in different ways. Some of them decide to follow him and they become his disciples. Others within the same family, having experienced the same situation throughout their childhood and teenage lives, reject Jesus and his claims. How is that? Well, people, of course, respond to Jesus in different ways. We've got freedom of choice. That's what makes us different from animals. We can think. We can respond to Jesus in different ways. So what is your response to Jesus? Have you met with Jesus? What's the response of people that we talk to outside of church about Jesus? Well, in our reading tonight, we're given the response of two very different people. There's Judas and there's Mary. Mary's response was self-sacrificial, loving, devotional, that didn't count the cost. Judas' response was self-centred and self-interested. Judas and Mary, two people who had experienced much of the same. They'd spent their days with Jesus. They'd heard his teaching. They'd been with him when miracles had been performed. And yet they lived very different lives. And they had very different endings. And there are lessons that we can take from each of these. So let's uh, put this into uh, some sort of context Jesus had been speaking and performing miracles. He'd been challenging people's understanding of who he was. Last week, we read in chapter 11 of the raising of Lazarus from the dead. We've just had Halloween. You might have seen some pretty horrendous characters walking about the city on Friday night. Horrendous. But, but Lazarus came out of the tomb wearing grave clothes. And that changed a lot of people. That changed people. Some people, as a result of that and the teaching of Jesus about the resurrection, came to believe that Jesus was the Son of God and they can have eternal life. And we heard about that from Alan last week. Others Often the Pharisees and Jewish leaders had sought ways of trying to silence Jesus by killing him. And they wanted to kill Lazarus too, because he was a witness to Jesus' action. So as a result of all that, we read that Jesus withdrew to Ephraim with his his disciples. Seven days before the Passover feast, Jesus returns to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, And he went to a dinner that was given in his honour. And we have two accounts of this, one in John chapter 12 and one in Matthew 26. And I believe that from this short account, we can be encouraged and we can be warned concerning meeting and following Jesus. A warning from the life of Jesus, a challenge and an encouragement from the life of Mary. We'll spend more time tonight looking at Mary but we need to look at Judas as well, because it's a warning to us. Now, you might be surprised to know that there are actually very few references concerning Judas in the New Testament. He is included in the original list of 12 apostles called by Jesus to go out and preach that good news. He appears toward the end toward the end of the list of disciples. Jesus called him so he must have had some potential as a disciple. Jesus loved him and included him within his group of followers. We expect that he must have had some skill in managing numbers and money because it appears that he was given the task of managing the finances of that group of disciples. We read of that in John chapter 13, verse 29. Judas was able to serve Jesus using the skills that he had in his life. However, through his life, we see how temptation and sin comes into the life of service and ends up in the death, both his death and, of course, the death of Jesus. He came to physical death, Judas, and spiritual death. We read here of the lies of Jesus. He was of Judas. He was the treasurer. He'd been taking money from the pot. And now, in this account, we read that he protested that the perfume which Mary pours out onto Jesus could have been sold for a year's wages and given to the poor. But the reality of it was he wasn't really concerned about the poor at all, he was concerned about the fact that he could have gained some money from this action. Remember, Judas had been living in the presence of Jesus. He'd been meeting him, he was close to him, he'd listened to his teaching, he'd witnessed the miracles being performed by Jesus, and yet despite all of this, the devil had been moving in his heart, and temptation led to actions which in turn would lead to the betrayal of Jesus and his death. So there's a lesson for all of us here, isn't there? Sin leads to death. It's a hard lesson for us. Us who all seek to follow Jesus, sin is present. Sin lurks at the door of our lives, and we're all open to to temptation. All of us who listen to the words of Jesus, study the scriptures, involved in service, are subjected to temptations of the flesh. So rather than condemn Jesus, uh, condemn Judas, we can take his example as a warning. Let's examine ourselves concerning our motives, our attitudes and our actions, humbly confessing and repenting of our sin, being aware that the devil wants us to fall from grace and betray Jesus who loves and dies for us. So that's the first character then we meet in this short account. What about the second one? What about the example of Mary? Well, who is this Mary? Because we read of Marys uh, quite a few times in the Gospel uh, passages. Well, this is Mary Magdalene, out of whom seven demons were cast. We read of that in Luke uh, chapter 8, verse 2. She happens to be the sister of Lazarus. We know that Christ had affection for her. She anoints Christ. She's with Jesus at the time of his crucifixion. And she's with the disciples when Jesus appears after the resurrection. So we know a lot more about Mary than we do about Jesus. But I think the important point to note is that she had been delivered from demon possession, she had recognised who Jesus was, and she worshipped him. And we read here that Mary gives a costly item to Jesus, and she worships him. She shows reverence and honour, she shows belief in him, and in return, Jesus promises that she will be remembered for all time. She will receive the praise not only of Jesus, but of other people. And so we see here, I think, in our passage tonight, that Mary is a model of service of Jesus for every generation. And there are six aspects of this service that I'd like to share with you tonight. If I could have the first slide, please. Now, because there are six, that's a lot, I'm going to put up on the screen the headings of these six aspects of her service. And I trust and hope and pray that you will find at least one of these will be helpful to you tonight. It's a good example for us who want to follow Jesus. The first aspect of uh, her service is that it's a fruit of a humble Spirit. This action of Mary's is the fruit of a humble spirit. In the process of anointing Jesus, she is subservient to him. Three times, Mary is mentioned in the Gospels and always in association with Jesus' feet, whether sitting, falling at his feet, or anointing his feet. True service for Jesus springs from a wholehearted commitment to him. The feet of Jesus is where service to him begins. Now, of course, feet in biblical times were dirty and rather unpleasant. It took an act of humility to bow to someone's feet and to wash them. Remember that example we were given of Jesus, of washing the disciples' feet, and his statement that they should do likewise. Humility is required of Jesus' disciples. We read that Mary unfurled her hair, let her hair down in the anointing of Jesus' feet. An act of humility. Because this action of unfurling her hair wasn't a respectable action for a woman in public in those days. So you might well say to me, well, Nigel, what is humility? Don't often hear too much about humility in today's world. Well, many Christian writers have written about this, and I've got uh, three quotes for you. Charles Spurgeon says this about humility. Humility is to make the correct estimate of oneself. C.S. Lewis, of whom we heard this morning, says this. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not denigrating yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. I'll say it again. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. St. Augustine said this, it was pride that changed angels into devils, it is humility that makes men as angels. Now the challenge for me, and probably for all of us, is am I prepared to be humble, to be fully committed to Jesus? Do I have the fruit of that humble spirit? Do I fall at the feet of Jesus in worship, That means giving up my self-importance, my pride, my self-sufficiency that says I can run my own life and my own salvation. Am I prepared to take the teaching of Jesus at face value and obey it? Or do I want to make the following of Jesus my version? It's a challenge, isn't it, to each one of us. Mary had the fruit of a humble spirit. Well, secondly, we see that Mary had also... Thank you. Uh, Mary shows a perceptive heart. Mary had sat at the feet of Jesus and she'd listened to his words. And although this was a celebration meal in honour of him, she seems to recognise the brooding nature of the event and that Jesus would soon die. And as we make it a priority to spend times at the feet of Jesus, listening to his word, and it needs to be the whole word of the Bible to interpret his words, we begin to attune to Jesus' mind, and we begin to understand how and where we can serve him. And as we do this, can I encourage us to pray for wisdom as we read God's word? Paul prays for the followers of Jesus in Ephesus that they may be given wisdom. Solomon asked God for wisdom, and we need wisdom. And so, can I encourage us as we listen to Jesus' word through Bible, as well as listening to His Spirit? Can we ask to open our heart for wisdom? Can we pray for a perceptive heart to understand the spiritual situations? That we find ourselves in. Mary shows a perceptive heart. But thirdly, she also shows a timely action, a timely act. We seem to have lost the technology. We're up to the third one. Thank you. Uh, Mary's was a timely act. It was intended, verse 7, it was intended that this perfume would be kept for this moment. But if she hadn't have used it then, the moment would have passed by. Now this event was at the start of the process of Jesus' betrayal, Jesus' trial and his death. And Mary didn't know if this was the only time that would be available for this action of love. She was prompted to act now. And for us, we don't know what the future holds. So let us do good when we can, Galatians 6, verse 10. Or in Jesus' words, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night comes when no one can work. There's a time, isn't there, for action? Now is the time to serve Jesus. Now is the time to tell that friend of Jesus, to share that gift that he has given us. I believe this is one of the key points of this passage in front of us. Now is the time, because we don't know for how much longer we have on earth. We don't know if that opportunity will come again. We don't know whether we will have the freedom to speak and to show our love for God? Let us not put off the time of witness to Jesus. Let's take the opportunity to serve Jesus now. Mary's act was a timely act. Fourthly, Mary's actions were sharply criticised. Mary's actions were sharply criticised. Jesus approved, but others didn't. Jesus recognised this act of love, this preparation for his death. However, those that followed him criticised the action of Mary. In other words, those that thought the activity a waste of time or a waste of money, but also those that had their own agendas. We read of this in both of the accounts found in Matthew 26 and John 12. The disciples were shocked at the cost of the perfume and what the value of it could have been used for helping the poor. Judas was angry that he was denied some money which he would have obtained from it. Well, as we seek to follow Jesus, as we seek to serve him, we may may well get criticised, certainly by those in the world who don't follow Jesus, but also by those who do follow him, who are possibly rebuked by our spirit of sacrifice, or those whose own agenda. We need fortitude in serving Jesus. And this may well be a message for us as changes come about in our church. Let us recognise this, but not be put off by it. Fifthly, we see Mary's actions were, were an action of extravagance. It was an action of extravagance. It was a very generous gift. It was said to be worth a year's wages. Now, of course, there are are times for prudence and there are times when extravagance and extremes do not come within the will of God because they are fed by egos or not genuine devotion. But Jesus does merit the richest treasures of our self-giving. We can become so balanced, so circumspect, that we lose contact with the extravagance of a heart like Mary's. There is a time to keep, but also a time to throw away for the glory and honour of him who is worthy of all our love and devotion. So, as we are asked to give up our time and money to God's work, perhaps here at Trinity, it's helpful if we see it as as if we are giving to Jesus in response to all that he has done for us. And lastly, we see that from this account that Mary's service was fruitful. Mary's service was fruitful. We read that the house in which they were at was filled with fragrance of the perfume. Now, to put it into context, this was at a time when smells were strong. Animals often lived very close to humans. There was little drainage or sewage or personal hygiene. The country was a hot one. The house, though, this house, was filled with a fragrance that was pleasing. And we can see this as a picture In a world of strife and sin and discord, a world of anger and violence, the service of disciples of Jesus can be a pleasant fragrance. Jesus stated that wherever the gospel is preached, Mary's actions will be told. This simple act of devotion will become a light to multitudes in every corner of the earth. Sincere service of Jesus has the capacity to touch and bless other lives, which is missing from merely legalistic piety. So the point here is that others will be blessed when we serve Jesus, however humble those actions are. It will last through time. Souls will be saved for eternity, I think of those examples, I'm sure many of you can as well, of those Sunday school teachers who for years introduced children to Jesus by their teaching and their prayers. Many of those Sunday school teachers don't know the effect upon the lives of those children. How many of those children will be in eternity because they were introduced to Jesus? And so we can be encouraged by this. We can be encouraged by the words of Jesus, found in Mark 9, verse 41. Anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name, because you belong to Christ, will certainly not lose his reward. And if we need further encouragement to serve Christ as we serve others, look at 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 58, where Paul says this. Let nothing move you as you busy yourselves in the Lord's work. Be sure that nothing you do for him is ever lost or wasted. So there we have it. The actions of Mary and the actions of Judas. Two very different people. Two people, though, who had the same opportunities. Saw the same master, listened to the same master. So how do we react to these two people? How do we react to this service of Mary? How can we keep up this level of intensity of worship, emotion and feeling if we are followers of Jesus? Well, surely the answer is this, to spend time at the feet of Jesus through reading his word, listening to his spirit, returning at regular intervals to the picture of the death of Jesus upon the cross, the resurrection of Jesus, and the command to go and create new disciples. So let's all tonight be encouraged. Let's be encouraged to spend time with Jesus and then go out and serve him as we sit and listen to his words that come through John's Gospels as well as the other Gospels that we have in front of us. Amen.